Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the first chapel of the semester. Yeah, get pumped. If you could please stand up for our first song, that would be wonderful. I will sing with you, my brother, will you sing with me? I will sing with you, my brother, will you sing with me? The notes won't always come out as I'd like But I will learn to see the log in my own eye Lord, I surrender Bring us together, bring us together.
Welcome to Doshin College and to the first chapel of the semester on this first day of classes. Wherever you are coming from, we are so glad you are here. Today, we will be continuing our campus ministry's theme of learning through stories by sharing stories of homecoming. Soon, we will listen to the stories of junior Achenda Jutu, first year Lydia Dick, and communications professor Dwayne Stoltzfus about what it feels like to come back to the home of Goshen after living in other homes. Then, as we understand that much of what makes the home is the community, we will welcome each other back home through the ritual of foot washing. Now though, as I light the Christ lamp, I invite you to breathe in the silence, be mindful of how and what you are feeling, and welcome it without judgment, resting in the knowledge that God welcomes you as you are, a beloved child made in God's own image. Please pray with me. God, we welcome you into our midst this morning as you welcome us into your all-encompassing embrace, catching us, here and now, the Peru SSTers who just left, and the Tanzania SSTers who are on our minds as their departure approaches. We know that your welcome is wide enough for all of us, especially for those who do not always feel welcomed by their fellow people. We remember your call through the prophet Isaiah to welcome the widow, the orphan, and the stranger, those on the margins of society. We remember the radical welcome offered by the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, who broke all the rules to show the disadvantaged, the looked down upon, the outcasts that they are loved. As the early church recognized, and as we read in Paul's epistle to the Philippians, Jesus' way of radically inclusive welcome is the way of self-empty and love. When Jesus stooped to wash the feet of his disciples, humbly expressing his love for them, he said, so if I have washed your feet, so you also ought to wash one another's feet. Help us to follow your example, Lord Jesus, and empty ourselves of all selfishness in favor of welcoming love for the other. Amen. I invite you now to stand and pass the peace welcoming each other in the name of the one who welcomes us all. Please stand and join me in opening to page 420 in your hymnals. And before we sing, um, there are a few changes. I'd... Before we sing, there are a few changes that I would like us to make. This is a song that has a lot of male pronouns in it, and that's something we think about as worship assistants. Um, but it, this, in this song in particular, it's actually not all referring to God. So the first his, which is let his love in us ignited, that I think does refer to God, and so do whatever you normally do with God pronouns with that one. Um, but then when we get down to the third line, he the head, we are his members, that's referring to Jesus. It's very much echoing language that Paul uses in the New Testament. So instead, I'd like us to sing uh, Christ the head, we are his members. And then throughout the rest of the song, all the pronouns refer to Jesus. And then the third verse is in second person. So after the first verse, you don't have to worry about changing pronouns. Although, of course, as always, you're welcome to do whatever makes you feel comfortable. Um, all right. Gee.
Hello, everybody. Um, hi. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about um, what I think of home, um, my experiences with being in a different country, and I hope you guys all enjoy it. So, so where do you live, or where do you come from, or where do you call home? These are such simple questions, but of course, these days, such simple questions are bringing ever more complicated answers. I have encountered this question at least 6,595 times in the last three and a half years. At least 5,099 of these questions have been asked to me in, during the periods of September 1st, 2016 to November 29th, 2016. Why, you may ask? Well, it's because I was studying abroad in Peru. There are so many ways one can interpret this question. So if where do you come from means where were you born or where were you raised and educated, then I would say that I'm very much of the beautiful tropical country called Kenya. Kenya is located in the eastern part of Africa. Africa is a continent, not a country. And if where do you come from means where do you pay your taxes or where do you see your doctor or where do you pay or where do you buy your weekly groceries, then I'd say that I'm very much of the United States and I have been for the last three and a half years. If where do you come from means where goes deepest inside of you and where do you choose to spend most of your time, then I would say that I'm very much a Goshenite. I'm saying all these things to stress how very old-fashioned the question, where do you come from, in the world that we live in, in the modern world that we live in today. Defining what home is can be quite a task. We live in a more international and multicultural world where, whereby you could have one home associated with your parents, a second associated with your partner, a third associated with the place you currently are in, a fourth connected with the place you dream of being in, and so much more. Creating a home for myself has become a work in progress. It's like a project, a project on which I'm constantly adding upgrades and improvements and corrections. And for more and more of us, home has less to do with a piece of soil and more to do with a piece of soul. If someone suddenly asked me for the 6,594th time, where is your home? I think of my family and my closest friends, my sweetheart or the songs that travel with me wherever I go. At the age of 16, I left something I once called home to travel 10,000 miles to the other side of the world to create my new home. Stepping off that plane, all I had was my backpack, my suitcase, and a hope for a better life. Of course, if anyone had asked me then, where is your home, I could literally not point to any physical structure. My home would have, be, would have to be whatever I carried inside of me. Where you come from now is much, much less important than where you're going. Home now, as you may know, is not just the place where you're born, but is the place where you become yourself. Home, of course, is just not where the place you sleep, but is the place where you stand. And as for now, I have become myself, and I stand on a small liberal arts college in good old Goshen, Indiana. Thank you. So I don't know how many stereotypes you've heard about Canadians, but I'm sure you've at least heard the one about it being extremely cold with tons of snow all the time. Well, as a Canadian whose home is right in the middle of one of the snow belts in southern Ontario, sadly, I have to say that that stereotype, at least for the moment, is true. It was a struggle and a half to find rides to and from home, but I'm here in one piece, which is good. 
Having that insecurity of not knowing if I had rides home or back to college, though, a few relevant questions really make me think about what I actually do consider as home. Do I live here at Goshen College? Do I feel at home here? Is this my home? The first one seems pretty easy. Do I live here? Well, yes, I live here. I have a space to rest in, a place to throw my belongings in, a place to chill in, work in, decorate in whatever way makes me feel normal, a place to call my own. That is so important. We don't always realize how having ownership in a space is such an anchoring thing and really makes us feel as though we do live here. Now, if I wanted to sidetrack myself, I could go into the story about how me and my family um, missed the train from Ontario to Manitoba and had to wander around the huge city of Toronto at 11 o'clock at night with nowhere to stay. Anyway, the point is that that was a terrifying experience because we felt homeless and had nowhere to even temporarily call our own. So now I know having a space to live in is important, but is ownership everything? Next question, do I feel at home here? Owning a space is all fine and good, but I doesn't really feel homey at all until I bring my own stuff in. Most likely, many of us have filled our dorms with those familiar home things already. For me, clothes, blankets, Lord of the Rings posters, photos, and the coloring books I stuff away in my shelf so no one sees them. But wait, that's from my other home, my home home, I mean, the one I grew up in. Why is that here in my new home, where everything's supposed to be new and exciting, different, and definitely not? that home, right? Well, the thing is that for me, this is what makes me feel at home here in this new space. And besides just providing a feeling of familiarity for what I'm used to, all this stuff reminds me that I actually do have a past. In other words, my future doesn't have to be this big, scary thing that's always hanging over me and making me feel as though my whole life is in my entire, the entire life is in my hands alone. Everything is connected. It's just how the world works. We're not alone because of the things that gave us strength in the past and the things that give us strength now. So all that stuff are all those memories that you have from your other home. Don't forget it. In fact, do the opposite. Remember it. Because it might just be what's giving you strength and making you feel at home here. Last question. Is this my home? Well, why not? Why can't I have more than one home? I guess we'd kind of have to define home to answer that question as well. What does home mean? A space I can call my own and feel safe in? A space with a foundation of my background? And what else? Maybe home is the place to be myself, express myself. You fill in the blank. Just like President Jim Brenneman said in the service of blessing for first years when we said goodbye to our families, the journey is our home. We find ourselves and new foundations as we keep living and growing. But even so, we take a lot of stuff with us, and not just stuff, stuff. Everything we've experienced before has somehow shaped us. There's definitely a lot that we also can't bring with us. For me, it's my sister and parents, and that's very ungrounding for me. But it's our responsibility as a community to find new ways to ground ourselves and each other. One of the reasons I actually came to Goshen is because it's most like home to me, since both my parents and about a billion of my other relatives came here too. But even though I'm connected on that surface level, I have been and still need to keep searching for what gives me a grounding in this new place. It's not too late for us to call Goshen College our home. But don't just leave everything you called home before in the dust, because guess what? It came with you and is still shaping and supporting you. So what is home to you? 
Do you live here? Do you feel at home here? Let's make this place our home. So in December of 1981, I, I finished editing my last issue of the Goshen College record. And with that, I was done. I had graduated from Goshen College. And now what to do? Where to go? All of the possibilities lay open. In the closing weeks of the semester, I had applied for a local job. And around Christmas, the invitation came to work as a communications specialist for an insurance and financial services company in Goshen. The company was known as MMA back then. The salary and the benefits were terrific. They wanted someone to write text or copy for product services like uh, a brochure advertising term life insurance. And I took the job. I found an apartment in downtown Goshen, not far from the Olympia Candy Kitchen, home of the nut olive sandwich, and at the time, one of the few restaurants downtown. I was close enough to my office across the railroad tracks on the north side of town that I could, I could walk there every morning. But, but, I was unhappy. Soon after I started, I knew deep down that I was not made for corporate communications. My cubicle felt confining. I felt cut off. And so what I really wanted to do was I wanted to be out on the street. I wanted to be interviewing people. I wanted to be writing stories that I thought were interesting and important. Stories, the kind of work that I had done when I was writing for the, the Goshen College record. And I also felt at the time that Goshen was not really my home. I had grown up in New York City. Five boroughs, seven million people, this abundance of cultures and of, and of colors. Goshen, by contrast, had about 20,000 people back then. Almost everybody looked like me. And, and downtown, there was no electric brew, and there was no farmer's market, and there was no Better World Books, and there was no Kelly J's. So I did something that I would not recommend. I quit a job after six months. And while I felt terrible about resigning, I also knew that I needed to head home to New York City. And as I approached the George Washington Bridge, I'll never forget this, I felt a surge of energy. And the city was ablaze with lights. And these phrases from the Frank Sinatra song were playing in my mind about the little town blues melting away making a brand new start of it in a city that doesn't sleep, I felt good. For the next two decades, I worked for a series of newspapers in New York, beginning with a little weekly called the Brooklyn Paper. I made almost no money, $13,000 when I started. But I had these great, interesting, and sometimes significant stories to cover, including once breaking the news that Governor Mario Cuomo's father-in-law was illegally evicting tenants from his building in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. 
In 2000, a position opened up here at Goshen College in the communication department. How would it be, I wondered, living and working in Goshen? Would I take the job only to discover, as I had 20 years earlier, that I didn't really feel at home in Goshen? Fortunately, almost from the very beginning, I had a sense that this was for me. I love teaching here, still do, and living in this town. I mean, we'd both changed. I grew up in a lot of ways, and Goshen grew up in a lot of ways. Uh, Goshen's become much more alive and more diverse than it was back in, in 1981. My wife and I lived, and our daughters, in uh, about three miles away in the Kircher Orchard section, just outside city limits uh, for the first 16 years. And just this past fall, we moved closer to Goshen. Now it's just um, eight-minute walk away, five-minute walk if you walk quickly. We're along the mill race, and I've told my wife, I don't want to move again. This is it. I'm home. So as I was preparing for this talk, I thought, you know, what is it that makes a home? And a couple of things come to mind. One, having layers of experiences in a place. For me, that's, that's an important part of it. The writer Wendell Berry talks about having local memory. You know a place, you've been in a place long enough that you know it. And so I can think back to the blizzard of 1978 when 36 inches of snow fell. Oh, this was great, wish you would have been here. Classes were canceled for the first time and the drifts were so high that students were leaping out of their fourth floor dorm windows into the snow banks below. It was pretty cool. I also remember the well, it wasn't a blizzard, really, but significant snowfall. How about that? Of, um, this would have been 2011, when the college shut down for only the second time, and students could ski down Main Street. And I'm secretly hoping, to be honest, that uh, it happens again. It's a lot of fun. I hope we have a big, a big blizzard this winter. Along with deep memories of a place, to be a home, a place needs community, relationships of people. And I would say in this regard, in, in significant part because of Goshen College, the city of Goshen is above average on this metric. I get paid to learn alongside students in groups of 15, 20, 25 every semester. This is terrific. I'm always developing new relationships, learning to know new people. And Along with that, it can be um, difficult to say goodbye. So every year as seniors march off, those of us on the faculty here think, oh, how are we gonna carry on? How are we gonna manage without them? And then, and then every fall, you know, miraculously, or we get this uh, appearance of an incoming class of bright uh, replacements. And, and so the cycle continues. <laughs> and as I look out here and I can see some colleagues, uh, people I've worked with for years and, and count as dear friends. And, and I have to tell you, I've been in enough workplaces, and someday you will too, that you don't take that for granted, the ability to have good, close colleagues in a place where you work. So all of this takes time. For those of you in your first year especially, be patient. Really, it takes time. There's no rushing this feeling at home process. 
The, the poet May Sarton said it this way, now I become myself. It's taken time, many years, and many places. As someone who has spent a fair amount of time in Goshen, who went away and came back, I know that Goshen is a good place. Goshen's a great place in which to become yourself and to feel at home. May we all feel at home here. Around the world, foot and hand washing is seen as one of the most selfless acts a person can do, truly connecting them to Jesus. In the book of Luke, there is the telling of the young woman who came with an alabaster jar and wept at Jesus' feet. She then wiped away her tears with her hair and poured perfume on them. Simon, the man who was hosting Jesus, said to him, she is a sinner. After a bit of conversation, Jesus said to Simon, I have been in your house and you've offered me nothing, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Her faith has saved her. She walks in peace. This small act later on inspired Jesus in John 13, which we will read quickly. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you is clean. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. As it says in the scripture in verse 14, we are to do as he has done, because he has already set an example. Jesus is saying that we as individuals, we are individuals, however, no one is greater than the other. The person doing this act is serving and displaying humility and practices servant leadership as the woman has done. As the recipient of this act, you are receiving blessings and you can too become humbled in this experience. 
We invite all of you who are able to participate in the foot washing and hand washing. We have two stations. We have foot washing at the base of the stairs and hand washing in the middle of the sanctuary. You can come up with your friends in doubles or triples and wash each other's, each other's feet. But the worship assistant team is also here to help you. While this is happening, feel free to join us in worship. And as it says in Luke 7, um, verse 15, Jesus said to them, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So if you want to start lining up, the band will start playing. And yeah, the hand washing's here, the washing's there. i 
commitment to each other in this ever-growing, ever-changing community that is Goshen. And may we recognize that home is both a place and the fabric of souls woven together, which covers us wherever we go. Welcome home. Go in peace. silent when we know our God is near, bringing light to those in darkness, to the worthless, endless world. How can we be silent when we are the voice of Christ, speaking justice to the nations, breathing love to all the earth? None can stop the Spirit burning now inside us. We will shape the future. We will not be silent. How can we be silent when our God has conquered death, stretching out his arms to suffer so that we might have new life? How can we be silent when we know that Jesus rose and will rise again in glory, ending suffering and strife? None can stop the spirit burning now inside us. We will shape the future. We will not be silent. How can we be silent as we turn our eyes away and ignore the poor and broken who lie bleeding in the street? How can we be silent when we're called to heal and serve in the image of Lord Jesus who has stooped to wash our feet? None can stop the spirit burning now inside us. We will shape the future. We will not be silent. How can we silent, not give praise with all our hearts, for Christ Jesus is our Savior and compassion is our King. How can we be silent when God gave us life to be vibrant instruments of worship and laugh and dance and sing? None can stop the Spirit burning now inside us. We will shape the future. We will not be silent. 